Hello everyone, welcome to episode 3 of Night Voices. My name is Katie Pasternak and I am with Nolan Hamilton and we are the executive producers for Night Voices. We will be taking you through this month's best podcasts. To kick off episode 3, Kaylee Pasternak and I, Nolan Hamilton, take you through Prospect Students' top 5 movies and TV shows. Hello, my name is Kaylee Pasternak. I am one of the executive producers of Night Voices and I am alongside with... Uh, Nolan Hamilton, I'm the other executive producer for Night Voices. And we will be going through our top five movies and TV shows of 2021. So all the way at number five for movies is Ghostbusters. Yeah, so Ghostbusters, looking at it as a movie itself, the fra- with the franchise of the Ghostbusters, there's so many movies that you can see that bring a lot of nostalgia to people. And recently, it's kind of gone under the radar, kind of almost went dormant until the 2016 movie, which wasn't really critically acclaimed. But in 2021, they came out with this new Ghostbusters Afterlife movie, and it is the exact way to do a reboot. It is a core Ghostbusters story. It really does a great job of honoring the past, but also going with the present in developing new characters. So I really like that movie, and I like the way they did the reboot. Yeah, I think it was a good bounce back from the 2016 movie, which wasn't necessarily the best, but I thought it was a really good bounce back. And then all the way at number five for the TV shows is Invincible. So Invincible is a show where you go in expecting something like, it's a show that's animated, it's on Netflix, or no, Amazon, Amazon Prime, and you expect one thing in this show, and then at the end of the first episode, everything turns on its complete head. It's a show. It's a, a teenage. It's a show meant for adults, but it's meant like a show you were gonna watch on Saturday morning. But it has some very dark themes. But I really enjoyed the way they took the spin on the modern superhero genre. There's so many superhero movies out. There's so many movies that came out this year. Invincible is one of the one of the shows that really was able to redefine that genre once again. So going into number four for movies is Tick, Tick, Boom. So Tick, Tick, Boom is a movie about the playwright Jonathan Larson. So what I liked about Tick, Tick, Boom is not so much like I enjoyed the story and I enjoyed how they told it, but I enjoyed the way they made the modern musical. It's very much inspired by, play, by things like Hamilton and other musicals, but I enjoyed the way that they were able to implement these modern themes in this in this musical, I'm a person that's never really liked musicals besides Disney movies, and I thought this movie was great. I thought Andrew Garfield learning how to sing for this movie was awesome, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, too, and I also thought it was incredible how, what Nolan touched on, how they turned it modern, and how they made this kind of movie musical that you love to enjoy. It wasn't kind of cheesy, it wasn't like oh, what are they doing? They knew exactly what they were doing and they executed it perfectly. So moving on to number four for TVs is WandaVision. So when you look at WandaVision, it was the first Marvel show on Disney Plus all the way back in March of 2021. People were pretty excited because it's the first piece of Marvel that's not a movie. I enjoyed WandaVision just because it's such a diff- it was such a different show. It was almost like a mystery where it kind of had to unfold what was happening as it went on and then until the final story went went through. But I think my favorite thing about WandaVision wasn't even really the show. It was the fans on Twitter, on, I know, on TikTok, 
talking about what next is going to happen. Is it going to be Mephisto? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? It turned out to be something people didn't really expect, and that's what I enjoyed about it. And moving on to number three for movies is Shang-Chi. I really enjoyed Shang-Chi just because Shang-Chi is a movie that's the Marvel origin story formula. You see it with Iron Man. You see it with the original Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, This movie really did a good job of the representation. I really liked all the characters that the way they were played, they were played the correct way. And I thought everyone really did their part in making this movie a fun Marvel movie because people didn't expect too much out of this. It was certainly not the movie I was looking forward to most going in the theaters, but looking back on how good of a movie it is, how clear of a plot it is, how good of a story it is, and the representation puts it at the number three spot for me. And for number three for TV shows is Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai is very similar to Ghostbusters that we used as a movie earlier in this. It's how you do a reboot right. Cobra Kai in or Karate Kid, it's based on the movies Karate Kid. And the Karate Kid movies are movies that people remember in the 80s for being these cool like action, like fun movies. But you don't really think too much of after you walk out of the theater and don't see it. Cobra Kai builds upon all of those movies, not just the first one, and develops a really hard-hitting story about characters that may have been good turning evil, characters that may have been good turning bad. It kind of shows that not one movie defies who you are, not one thing defies who you are. And I thought that was a really good message that it sends across to me. So yeah, I, that's why I put it at number three for TV. Yeah, and I think a really big overarching theme is the nostalgia factor. There are so many things that came out in 2021 that rebooted what maybe was a botched reboot or came all the way from the 80s. And I think a lot of what we have on this list executed that perfectly, and that's why it's on that list for us. So moving on to number two for movies is Encanto. And I thought this movie was beautifully done. The colors, the musicals, uh, it was obviously written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and he always does an excellent job when it comes to musicals and songs. But just the story and overarching purpose and theme of this really is good for kids. And I know I'm 17, but I love this movie so much. And I heard about adults who loved it too. It's just a great movie for anyone who wants to watch it. It's a feel-good movie, and it was a great addition to Disney's roster and it has a wonderful soundtrack you mentioned how a feel-good movie this is for our number two for tv i gotta say probably the one of the best feel-good shows i've ever seen is ted lasso ted lasso is i can talk for weeks how much i love ted lasso it is the perfect show to watch if you're having a rough day if you're having just things aren't going your way watch ted lasso the way Jason Sudeikis wrote his characters, Ted Lasso, is one of the coolest ways to see uh, just an actor write for himself. This character, watching the trailers early on when the season got revealed, it was based on an NBC Sports skit that they did as a commercial. And they turned it into a TV show, and everyone was like, why, why are they doing that? But they had a plan of how to write Ted's character in turning him to this awesome optimist that anyone would like to meet. And you just see all these characters that he improves the lives of. And it's a really good feel-good show. Even though it may not have the most stakes, I think the feel-good and the stories he tells is awesome. 
I also absolutely love Ted Lasso. My parents are actually the people that got me onto it. And I think another great thing with Ted Lasso is that my parents watched it. All my friends watched it. It is a intergenerational TV show that everyone can enjoy. Everyone loves to see a good, a feel-good character. And the fact that you can just turn on Ted Lasso for 30, 40 minutes and just kind of forget about everything else and just feel really good about what a nice, kind person Ted Lasso is is just a wonderful way, especially in 2021. It was just a wonderful TV show to watch. So all the way at number one for our movies is Spider-Man No Way Home. So when you look at Spider-Man No Way Home, people going into this movie were expecting so, so much. There were so much things heavily rumored about this movie. So much things that, you know, would they happen, would they not? And you go in the theater expecting to be... I was expecting an amazing movie, and it delivered. It was one of those theater experiences I will never forget. I walked in with a few of my buddies. We went in, we saw this movie, and we were blown away because it was just... It was everything you, you dreamed of being a Spider-Man fan. It's a good Spider-Man movie. It doesn't rely on past characters making it making it a movie it relies on the past to help move the story forward but it is also its own great spider-man story and it really does the character of peter parker justice and it just in general just has a fantastic tribute to the spider-man character who is beloved by millions and I watched Spider-Man No Way Home on the premiere night, and I'm not a big Marvel fan. I've seen a few of the big Marvel movies, but I'm not one who's gone down the whole entire rabbit hole of every single movie, but I absolutely loved this movie so much, and I think it was really entertaining for anyone who watched it. You could just feel as soon as, spoiler by the way, as soon as the other Spider-Man came on screen, you could feel the happiness from everyone else in the theater, and I think... It was just a wonderful movie to watch, even if somebody doesn't have the whole entire backstory. And I think another complaint some people have is that it's too fan service but I think they did it absolutely perfect. I, I don't think I would want them to change a thing because it was a perfect vision, and I think they executed it so well. So number one for our TV shows is the all-time hit, everyone watched it, Squid Game. Squid Game was absolutely impeccable. The creators put their blood, sweat, and tears into Squid Game, and it really showed. And I'm not one who likes to watch movies that are in a different language, because I don't really like having to read the captions, and usually the overlay of the audio of someone in English speaking it really isn't that good to portray the character. But I think that Squid Game was so beautifully done that it, it didn't matter if you were listening to it in its original language or in English or if you were reading the captions. Just the whole entire storyline and the way that it kept you on the edge every single episode was something that is the reason that it is such a giant show that everybody absolutely loves. Yeah, I went in the Squid Game like not really like expecting too much because I heard it was good. I liked I liked it. I don't have too much to say about it because what hasn't been said about it, let's be honest. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun ride to watch you. And I thought it does deserve this number one spot with how big of a cultural impact it had. Definitely, yeah. I think it had a big cultural impact with everyone knew who Squid Game was. And there, I don't think there's been a TV show like that since Stranger Things where it's a yeah. wide, worldwide phenomenon about how great the show is and it 
And the creators are so well-deserving of all of this with how much effort they put in. So that is our top five. But me and Nolan have picked a few other shows and movies that we just want to talk about that are our opinion that were really good this year. So for me, I had The Boys. The Boys is a show, kind of like Invincible, where it kind of makes a spin-off of the superhero genre, where you can see these characters like the Justice League, but or the Avengers, but the evil. They're these people that just have no values. They have no real, like, they're just evil, evil people. So it's a good twist on that superhero genre, thinking these people, these heroes, everyone looks up to, everyone thinks, oh my gosh, superheroes, it would be amazing if they were great. But if they were put in today's society with all the the money-driven corporations, all of this stuff, potentially these heroes could turn corrupt and that's what this show discovers and i thought it's such a genius plot to put over to put over a show especially since they pull no punches this show is hard-hitting if if you're young watching the show don't watch it it is it's tough it's tough to watch but it is a really good watch if you if you enjoy superhero movies and want a show that is just hard-hitting it's great my favorite TV show this year was an animated TV show. It kind of has the style of Gravity Falls, and it's called Inside Job. And it is about this woman in her, like, 30s that works for the deep state. And it kind of all those Facebook theories and QAnon and everything that goes on social media, whether people believe it to be true or not, it kind of makes all those situations real. Like the Illuminati is real, Yale has a secret society. It kind of humors all of that, and I just found it so, so entertaining. For me, another TV show I liked is Loki. Loki was one of the Marvel shows that came out later in the year. I love Tom Hiddleston as Loki. I think a lot of other people do, and they were expecting good things out of the show. But what this show did for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, building upon, building upon it, made a world of a difference. I'm not going to spoil anything, but the way this show opened up the rest of the Marvel movies for years to come did so much justice. But the show by itself, I thought was awesome too. There was some great acting, just a good Marvel content. It was my favorite Marvel show this year besides WandaVision, but I'm back and forth on that. I really did enjoy WandaVision. But Loki, for me, I think I like Loki a little bit more Wanda. So I think I, at the end of the day, I think I actually did like Loki more. But agreeing upon what Prospect said and what we think, WandaVision's at four. Loki's my pick. And finally, a movie that a lot of people like. Some complain that it's just a, a bunch of famous people combined together. But I really enjoyed Don't Look Up. It came out at the very end of 2021. But I really enjoyed all of the funny things. And I thought it was also a good way to like explain that there are things going on in this world that social media may distract you from. But you got to believe the scientists and believe the people who are credible. And I think it showed kind of in an extremist way what maybe could happen if you don't. But I just thought it was a great movie. The actors were, of course, incredible because it was a bunch of just A-list actors. But... And many people may complain that it was just a bunch of famous actors put together, and that's why a lot of people like the movie. But I think it's more than that. I think when you put that many good actors together, of course you're going to have a great product. And you can't be upset about, not, about them not picking underground actors when 
the product came out like that. It's not like it was really bad, but I thought it was just a really good movie. Yeah. That's our picks. That's Prospect's picks. We put them together. Here's our top five. I'll read them one more time. For movies, we have at five, Ghostbusters. At four, Tick, Tick, Boom. At three, Shang-Chi. At two, Encanto. And at number one, Spider-Man No Way Home. And for shows, we got Invincible at five, WandaVision at four, Cobra Kai at three, Ted Lasso at two, and Squid Game at one. Thank you guys for listening to this. We enjoyed your picks. I'm Nolan Hamilton signing off. And I'm Kaylee Pasternak reporting for Night Voices. Thank you. Next up in this feature, you get to see how porch pirates have affected the community and what steps you can take to stay safe from these thieves. Even with the holidays far behind us and online shopping slowing down, is the danger of package stealing still a threat to anyone? According to a study done by the San Diego County District Attorney, about 26 million Americans had packages stolen in 2017. The average stolen amount was $140. For a large portion of people, online shopping is a part of daily life, and the threat of having something stolen on someone's property makes shopping less attractive for customers. When Isabella Casaros found out her package wasn't on her porch, it turned the day from optimistic to nerve-wracking, as Ms. Casaros had no idea where her package could possibly be. Extremely disappointed, because the first time that it happened, it was actually for my uh, daughter's birthday party. Um, so I had some supplies that I was waiting for, um, and then I had to um, reorder them. Once Ms. Casaros realized her package wasn't anywhere on her porch, she searched all over her property to where it could possibly be, but seemingly to no avail. I, I got a notification that the package um, was delivered, um, but then I checked uh, all around the house and there was no indication of anyone leaving the package. With her package stolen, Ms. Casaros had to rebuy all the birthday decorations for her daughter, putting an unwanted burden on her shoulders right before a special occasion. It was very stressful and it was inconvenient because there was on the timeline uh, constraints. So for me going to the store and finding the uh, actual products would um, take a lot of my time and I would not be able to find some of the um, items in the store. Since the incident, Casaros has been taking specific precautions when online shopping so that she doesn't have to deal with that disappointment again. I always uh, track my uh, purchases and the delivery usually I um, use only big provider like Amazon or uh, big companies that they give me the tracking number. Officer Gregory Sill has been an officer with the Mount Prospect Police Department for 18 years and explains who is most at risk of being a victim of these package thieves that have been named the porch pirates by their victims. The people that are at most risk of uh, becoming a victim of thefts from porches or, or quote-unquote porch pirates um, are really anyone that gets any online shopping delivered to their home, uh, anything to deliver to your home, whether it's a single-family residence, whether it's an apartment or a condo uh, building or complex, townhome, uh, you really run that risk. Uh, there, that possibility is out there. A lot of times the crime of uh, theft from front porches or of package theft uh, happens as a crime of opportunity a lot of times. Officer Sill goes more into depth about how leaving your package outside for a prolonged period of time can make your residence a hotspot for porch pirates. People that um, aren't able to, to recover their packages or get their packages and bring them inside or, or get them away from just sitting out to the, to the possible general public um, are definitely more vulnerable of this happening. The longer that your, your package sits out front or sits out in front of or in a lobby of your building, um, the more chance and the more availability it is for someone to come by and take it. For Prospect Junior Julie Nugenbauer, online shopping and browsing sites like Amazon is a regular occurrence in her life. She describes how she would react if her package got stolen. I think it would because if it happened to me, I wouldn't want it to happen again. 
so it would probably make me shop in store more. Julia expresses what should be done by law enforcement and the community to help deter porch pirates from attacking communities. The police should focus on where it happens the most and then like have someone watching that area or those houses or just driving by in like the night or something when packages are reported to be taken the most. And people could maybe tell like the delivery people where specifically to put the packages so they're not seen to the public. With packages sitting out, it's tempting for some to take advantage of the opportunity of making a couple bucks. But make no mistake, it's not something that can be punished with just a slap on the wrist. Uh, so, so the theft, uh, if it's under $500, it's, it's classified as a misdemeanor here in Illinois. Um, so if the value of that package was under $500, it would be, you know, the, the um, charge would be a, a misdemeanor theft charge. Uh, if it's anywhere between $500 and $10,000, that uh, rises to a felony charge. If you're a victim of a porch pirate attack, the best thing to do is to report the occurrence to your delivery service and the authorities. So the first thing if you find that your package or believe that your package was stolen is just to, to work with that, com that shipping company to verify that it was actually delivered. Um, and then you can report it to them, you can report it to the, uh, the place that you bought the item from. Uh, sometimes those places do have policies in place that would help you with that. Uh, some don't. Uh, if they don't, uh, you can always check with your homeowner's insurance. A lot of homeowner's insurance does have some sort of clause or coverage for that, for theft from that property. Um, and then uh, you can always dispute it with like your credit card company or whatever uh, banking institution you potentially uh, bought that item with. Once you can make sure your package was stolen, you should contact the Mount Prospect Police Department on their website or by telephone. So if, if someone has been a victim of a theft from their front porch, um, they can absolutely call 911 uh, to report that theft. Um, we will absolutely take that report and work through that. Obviously, if, if you're someone uh, that has or neighbors that have um, video doorbells or security cameras, um, and that's something that you can provide to us, we can, we can hopefully utilize that to, to help try and identify who that person is and, and hold the person accountable. Taking these actions and staying vigilant will help decrease the risk of your package being stolen and becoming a victim. This is Hubert Scores signing off with Night Voices. Last Sunday, the Bengals shocked the world, beating the Kansas City Chiefs for the right to go to the Super Bowl. I sat down with basketball coach and math teacher Mike McCullough about this Bengals team and his life as a Bengals fan in preparation for next week's Super Bowl. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm not quite going to go that far with this mm -hmm. one, but... It's, yeah, you look back and you were you you have those memories of this team. Does this team at all remind you of this? Those other two Bengals teams from '82 and '89. Um, you know what? I really thought about it too much, but those Bengals teams were uh, very offensive minded. Uh, they had a coach, Sam Weish, was their coach back in 1989. He was kind of ahead of his time as an innovative offensive coach, and a lot of they. They were one of the first teams to start doing the no huddle, so they were had a really involved passing game and uh, and uh, offensive attack. And this year's Bengals are kind of like that, you know, with a exciting you know young quarterback, Joe Shiesty, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and Jamar Chase. So yeah, there's it's those kind of similarities there with on the offensive side of the ball. Just exciting teams. That's what I can remember about those the old Bengals teams that they were you know exciting to watch. Have you ever wanted to listen to a prospect-based trivia show? Well, Nightly Knowledge, the newest segment on Night Voices, has you covered. 
Host Charlie Dahlgren takes you through the most fascinating facts about Prospect High School and its staff members. Welcome to Nightly Knowledge, Prospect's one and only trivia news quiz. I'm your host, Charlie Dahlgren. Today, our first episode features three contestants who will compete to be named this episode's all-knowing knight. Let's get into the studio and meet this month's contestants. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Um, we have Dan White for our team of fine arts. We have Luke Belowski for team academics. And we have Catherine Lytle for our sports team. Um, Dan, would you like to start introducing yourself really quickly? Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Dan White. I use he, him pronouns. Uh, and I do theater and choir and also speech here at Prospect. And I'm glad to be here. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, Luke, up for uh, you. Hi, I'm Luke. I'm a junior. I go by he, him. And as I'm in academics, I've taken a lot of classes. I'm in math team. I'm in science Olympiad. You get the idea. And I'm glad to be here as well. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. And Catherine? Um, I'm Catherine. I do track at Prospect. I used to do basketball. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> awesome, guys. So let's get started with our first game. Each contestant is going to have the opportunity to answer four separate questions than the other people. The questions are increasingly difficult. The first question is going to be worth one point. Second question is going to be worth two, and so on. Each contestant is going to get 30 seconds to answer each one. Um, does that make sense, everybody? Yeah. yeah. OK, so let's get started. I have Luke Belowski. You're going first. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have 30 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? I, as an IOL, we're going to be. OK, so here we go. Uh, starting now, who is the current principal of Prospect High School? Greg Minter. That is correct. Which professional sports team visited Prospect in 2017 for a practice? The Bears. That's also correct. Which part of Prospect High School caught fire in the 80s on the first day of school? The third science division? Third, fourth science division? <laughs> That's incorrect. Which famous high school sitcom was based off of Prospect? I know this answer, but I don't. I can't think of it. Uh, oh my god. There's your time. Any final guesses? It's Glee. It's Glee. It's Glee. That is correct. Uh, so, <laughs> Catherine's next. Catherine, how are you feeling about this? Um, I'm a little nervous. You're a little nervous? I, um, I don't think it'll be too bad. I, I hope so. Okay, I'm gonna get 30 seconds on the clock. Away, we, go. Which two doors are students allowed to exit and enter during the school day? Uh, door 30. That is correct, and? Uh, door one? <laughs> no! <laughs> a staff member of ours has claimed TikTok fame, amassing more than 2.6 million followers. What is her the position? Great one. The great one. What <laughs> position? What's her position? Um, she's a, she works in the cafeteria. That's correct. Which former president visited Prospect in the seven, 1970s? No clue. Okay, and that's time, but for the first time, Prospect gave its mascot what name in reference to Prospect's location? Sir Kensington. That is correct. Four points for Catherine. And then lastly, we have Dan up with his four questions. 30 seconds on the clock. Here we go. Which prospect group marched in New York's Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in 2016? I want to say just the, the orchestra. Incorrect. It's the prospect marching nights. David Kenziara, who still holds two records at prospect, competed in the 2021 Summer Games for which event? Golf? Incorrect. Where was the KLC located before it was moved to where it is now? It was on the second floor. That is correct. The 1969-1970 school year was the first that female students were no longer required to wear which item of clothing? Skirts. That is correct. So Dan got 
the two hard ones. And I didn't get which group was in the marching, <laughs> the marching parade. Band. The marching band. I'm so dopey. I'm The speech team. So coming out of that round, we have Luke and Dan in the lead with seven points, and Catherine just trailing behind with six points. We're going to go into our game two. How are you guys feeling? Feeling pretty all right. You're pretty okay, yeah. <laughs> our, our next game is the mystery staff member. Um, we have gathered seven hints, each less vague than the previous, about a secret staff member. Your objective is to figure out who that staff member is before the other contestants. First player to buzz in with the correct answer will secure themselves five points going into the final round of today. Um, I should note that each person only gets one guess, so make oh. sure it is worth it. Okay. Let's get started with our first clue. I have achieved such accomplishments as running two marathons and competing in the world's largest snowball fight in Wakanda, Illinois. Any guesses? Wakanda, Illinois. Wakanda, Illinois. Yes. <laughs> not, not, not the hometown of the Black Panther. Okay, we're going to go on to our second clue here. I have driven a vehicle in the vice presidential motorcade and met Joe Biden face to face. Any thoughts about what type of person this guy might be? I have an idea, but I, I I'm gonna idea. wait. Yeah. Gonna wait, Catherine. Any ideas? I got zero clue. No clue. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe this one will help you. I received my undergraduate degree from Illinois Wesleyan where I was the quarterback and had the opportunity to play a game in Italy. I have continued my passion in athletics, coaching both track and football at Prospect. Um, Catherine? Lance Burmeister. Lance Burmeister, that is incorrect. Uh, a good guess, though. Oh, he yeah. doesn't coach Prospect football, does he? I don't have the slightest okay, clue. So <laughs> right, so there goes I Catherine's mean, guess. Guys, if my hand gets it. Because if I guess, you can just get all the hints. I won't get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're moving on to our next hint. This is hint number... F this is hint number four. I was hired in 2002 and taught history for 13 years before moving to my current position. Luke? Mr. Beicher. That is incorrect. Oh. It's down to just Dan. Oh. oh. I'm gonna... How many more hints do I have? You have three <laughs> more hints, and I'm... Pretty sure you just might get it. Okay. Okay, here we go. I have a twin brother named Mark who holds an extremely similar position to me, being the director of student activities at Downers Grove North. Dan? Yeah, uh, Mirandola, right? That is correct, Mr. Mirandola. I thought it was maybe Mr. Mirandola. Mark Mirandola, yeah. yeah. That's how I know about that. <laughs> just about the most interesting conversation trying to get these hints. The world's biggest snowball fight. Yeah. Wow. I thought Mr. Mirandola. That sounds like something. I was thinking Beicher the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he said that he wanted to clarify that the snowball fight record has been broken since. Oh. Um, but <laughs> at one point, he was. Part of the world record, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's do our score check coming out of our second round. We have Dan, who just got five points. We're going to add that to his previous seven, and he is in the lead with 12 points. Then we have Luke uh, following him with seven points, and then Catherine uh, with six. Yeah. It's anybody's game still. It is. It's anybody's game. I'm just... Psyching you I'm, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, this might be your time to shine because we are into our current prospect events news quiz. So let's move on to our finale. Here is where your prospect knowledge is really going to be tested. 
I'm gonna be asking you about current prospect events. The first person to ring in and give the correct answer receives two points. We have four questions, so up to eight points are available. So it's anybody's game, last I checked. So let's do it. In the past weeks, Prospect has issued new IDs containing RFID chips, which they hope will improve and prevent overcrowding in which part of student life? Lou. Uh, scanning your cards, like when you scan your ID center. That's incorrect. Any other ideas? Buses. That is correct. Yes, buses. In the past month, which competitive group qualified and competed at a state competition? Oh. Catherine? Dance. Yes, competitive dance. Two points for Catherine. Last week, teachers voted on whether they wanted to keep block scheduling or return to eight periods for next school year. The vote came in with which learning method winning by just nine votes? Catherine. The block schedule. The block schedule. Two more points to Catherine. Last question here. Boys basketball recently had the opportunity to play a game in the United Center where they played symbolically as which NBA team? Blue. Incorrect. The Trailblazers. The Trailblazers, that's correct. The uh, Glenbar South were actually the Bulls because they just don't change the scoreboard before yeah. the Bulls play. And <laughs> we ended up being the bad guys. From the back of the pack, Catherine at the end of the game, 14 wow. points. Dan in second place with 12. And Luke with 7 at the very end. Okay, well, there you have it. Thank you to our contestants, Dan, Luke, and Catherine, and thank you to everybody at home for listening. This is Charlie Dahlgren for Night Voices. Reviewer extraordinaire Kevin Lynch takes you through his thoughts on the new Cobra Kai Season 4. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter below at NightTV801. Karate Kid is one of the greatest and most well-loved movies of all time, is what the government wants me to say. Okay, I finally watched the movie for the first time last year, before immediately watching its spin-off show Cobra Kai on Netflix, and my thoughts on the show were about the same as my thoughts on the movie. It, it, it was fine. Season 4 of the show dropped just recently on December 31st, because the creators of the show understand that we as a society need two seasons of Cobra Kai in one year to function properly. Now, the reception to the show has always been a little confusing for me. I find it really strange that people rave on the show endlessly, while if it came out on the CW with no affiliation to the Karate Kid franchise, I mean, come on guys, you, you, you would ignore it and say it was mediocre, and you're not fooling anyone. Which, I mean, hey, the show isn't good, but it's not bad either. I reverse my position. It's, it's actually kind of bad. Cobra Kai tells a story that takes place roughly 20 or so years after the original Karate Kid movies, and it follows the two main characters, Daniel and Johnny, trying to train up the next generation of karate students, I guess they're called, to fight against the evil Cobra Kai dojo. God, I, I can't I can't even say that. It's just it's it's a strange premise. Okay, now to be fair, the idea of rival high school karate gangs um, <laughs> is a little ridiculous to begin with, of course. But I mean, there's always some suspension of disbelief in any show or movie that you watch. Now, the problem with Cobra Kai is that it immediately falls apart if you apply any scrutiny to it. 
and after four seasons, this show has even less reason to exist than it initially did. Now, to be fair, I should at least mention some of the things that I found to be pretty good from this season. The fight scenes in general, as you expect, I mean, they're not bad. They can be a little flat or boring at times, but I mean, for a dumb, stupid karate show, they understand the dumb, stupid karate pretty darn well. And I should say that there are some funny moments and some reveals that do actually work and make sense, and there's still several character arcs and setups that do actually have potential to be compelling. But these instances are really more the exception than the rule. The show isn't really interested in being compelling or emotional at all. I mean, it's just trying to be a silly little karate show, and I get that, but I would have to argue that it's definitely not a good silly little karate show, and it could be executed much better. One main problem is that Quite frankly, the show feels like it was written by an eight-year-old. For example, Ooh, well, Robbie and Tori went to the prom together, and then they danced there, so, you know, when there's a fight later that episode, now they're gonna be dance fighting. Whoa! On top of that, the dialogue in the show is simply some of the most forced and unnatural-sounding dialogue that I've ever heard. And, I mean, most times it doesn't even register to me if the people that I'm watching aren't talking like real people would, because I'm usually invested in what's going on. And meanwhile, in this show, I was practically cringing with every other word that came out of these characters' mouths. To be fair, it was a little difficult to tell sometimes if what I was hearing was the fault of the writers or just a product of the bad acting. Because, boy, this show has plenty. And I will say that initially, in the first couple of seasons, the acting on the show really didn't stick out to me. It wasn't that bad. But as we've transitioned into these later couple seasons, the characters are just not written to match their established personalities, so nothing sounds natural. Case in point, the newest addition to the show, which is meant to appease our Karate Kid 3 nostalgia, you know, a movie that I'm sure everyone has seen and loved, just adored, Case in point, Terry Silver, who is brought in to be the secondary antagonist to run Cobra Kai, along with the original villain, John Kreese. And, I kid you not, he has three different personality shifts, like, complete shifts, within the span of just ten 30-minute episodes. Are, are you understanding now just how insane the writing on this show is? It's really a vicious cycle for the show at this point, because as it adds more and more characters, it gives the established characters less time to be interesting, or at the very least consistent, which means no one is acting the same as they did three seasons ago, and simultaneously they're less and less connected to the actual overarching plot. This could just be me, but there is rarely any actual genuine emotion to be found while watching this show. Now you've heard the term wooden acting before, but the way every character on this show acts, even the new ones, it feels much more like plastic. Just sort of the same teen drama shtick copy-pasted over from half a dozen other C-tier shows. On the topic of new additions, let's talk about possibly the most offensive and blatantly terrible part of the new season, Kenny. God, even his name, it's terrible. Okay, okay, picture this. In the middle of the fourth season of the show, with a little over maybe 15 established characters, the show introduces a new character, who is the brother of a character that appeared for maybe five total minutes of screen time two seasons ago. Okay, okay. So this younger brother is introduced, and the whole subplot with him 
is that he's getting tormented for being the new kid by a bunch of middle school bullies. Okay, so to recap, we're now introducing a character that is loosely related to a character that didn't matter in the first place, and that character is in middle school. In our high school karate show. What the heck? So now, instead of focusing on our other over a dozen established characters, we're going to spend a significant amount of time with a middle schooler that has virtually no connection to the rest of the characters into the last few episodes. And okay, sure, he does serve some small purpose in fleshing out the character arc of one of the other characters, namely Robbie. But in no universe is that justified to waste this much of the audience's time setting up a character that you just know is going to be all but forgotten about next season. And I don't mean to pick apart the show in a mean way, but it really is emblematic of the show's problems coming into the fourth season. I mean, the best way to describe Cobra Kai is the series of wasted potential. Instead of choosing to commit and establish the characters and develop them, it chooses to just cast them aside every time a new season comes around in service of some new development or new way to further exploit people's love of Karate Kid. Remember when Miguel was recovering from his broken back for all of season 3? No, of course you don't, because Miguel is all fine now in season 4, and we're barely going to mention that again so that we can come up with a new and worse subplot for him. And oop, at the end of this season we're going to set up another one, one that I already don't care about. The show genuinely feels like it's written for children, even though it's clearly trying to exploit the 40 year olds who grew up watching Karate Kid. And the entire premise of the new season is that Daniel and Johnny have to work together to teach the kids how to beat Cobra Kai and combine their different styles. And the whole message, if you can call it that, that this season is trying to impart is that you need a combination of offense and defense to win. Which, <laughs> yeah? <laughs> I don't think any of the characters actually picked up on this lesson anyway, so, you know, don't worry about that for next season. I don't like to hate on the show this much, and it's it's competent, it's watchable, but it's still so cheap and poorly executed that I can't forgive any of its flaws at this point. I mean, at some points in the show, I had a visceral reaction to bury my head in the couch because I felt so much secondhand embarrassment for the people who wrote and acted in this show. I wouldn't knock you for liking the show, and there is some actual potential hidden behind all the tedium, but other than that, it's just a lifeless teenage drama that can't pull itself together long enough to actually pay off anything that it sets up. Thankfully, the episodes are only roughly 30 minutes long, so at least it'll be over as fast as lightning. Wow. One might say that that ending was a little bit frightening. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Night Voices Episode 3. Till next time, Kaylee Pasternak with Nolan Hamilton signing off.